so the first question we got was, can I date a person that isn't a Christian? And we will start with Allison. Hi, everybody. So short answer, um, yeah, you can, but should you? No. So in 2 Corinthians 6.14, that's the verse where it says, do not be unevenly yoked with a non-believer. And I will tell you from experience, dating a non-believer is hard. Marrying a non-believer is hard. Um, and God doesn't want it to be that hard. He wants you to grow in him. And the easiest and best way to grow in him is to be evenly yoked with someone who's following the same path. Okay? If you're following the same path and you're both striving toward Jesus, then things get a lot easier. Anybody else want to take a stab at that one? No? All right, sweet. All right, next question. Oh, this is a good one. Courtney, I'll ask you this one for you. Is Tinder slash Christian Mingle slash online dating wrong? What's funny is I've tried most all of online dating forms. So um, is Tinder wrong? I would like to separate Tinder from like eHarmony, Christian Mingle, Match.com. I know these things, right? Um, so... The purpose of Tinder is what? To find a quality person that you might marry someday? I'm thinking no, okay? The purpose of Tinder is um, to hook up, right? To find someone maybe for like a one night stand. Does that sound God honoring? No, so is Tinder wrong? I would say yes. Um, online dating in general, I don't think any of you need to turn to that yet. Okay, you're all young and you have lots of opportunities to meet people. I used it once I graduated from college and felt like, well, I'm not in school anymore. I don't go out. How am I going to meet somebody? God, don't worry about it. I got it. I'm going to get online. I'll find somebody. Okay, and it failed miserably every single time. And it can quickly turn into like an addiction and something that you can find yourself worth in. Like, oh my gosh, no one's messaged me. No one's matched with me. And then you're all worried about that. And it's like really addictive. And so that's bad, right? So maybe we shouldn't do those things, but to like put a blanket statement over it. I don't think online dating in general is wrong. Like what if you're an older lady and you just want to find a nice man and you've been a single mom for years and years and you're just looking for love. I don't think that's wrong. Okay. Tinder is wrong. <laughs> Straight up. Okay, what about a, do we have a guy's perspective? Chris, what do you think? Do you, do you agree with that? Disagree? No, I think she did a pretty good job explaining everything. I mean, ultimately, the end goal of any of those situations, it's, you're asking yourself why you're doing it, right? So Tinder, yet again, why are you on Tinder? I think we can all, we've all heard that. Why are you on any other social media, any other dating apps? Why are you posting certain pictures of yourself, of others? Ooh. Well, I think we'll get to that later. But ultimately, ask yourself the question of why. Why is it that you're doing that? What are you looking to get, right? Most of us are looking for some sort of self-gratification. We want somebody to tell us that we look pretty, or we want someone to tell us that they really like us for X, Y, and Z. If that is what you're trying to do, and that's ultimately what you're trying to do, accomplish, then there's something wrong with that, regardless of the dating app, regardless of what it is that you're, you could even be using Facebook, Snapchat, um, any of those things I'm sure you guys use for dating or meeting people. So it doesn't really matter what social media platform you use. If you're using it to edify yourself, then it's probably wrong. Sweet. Okay, here's a question we got. I'll, this is, uh, we'll go with making a hammock. Why not? Uh, the question is, uh, where to go? Oh, no. Oh, someone else. We'll move on. Okay. 
So here's the question. How do you tell someone that you don't like them? Hammock. We'll go with hammock. Um, so you tell them you don't like them. I'm just kidding. Um, so practically, you need to do that immediately. If, one, if you were the ones that asked that question, um, go tell them tomorrow. <laughs> I think leading them on is uh, just, just as bad. But um, do it in person if it's not healthy for you to see them in person or whatnot, you can do it over the phone. Uh, don't do it over social media. No Instagram DM uh. telling, you, telling them you don't like them or over text. Um, it could be miscommunicated to where they still think you like them. Um, but if you're afraid of hurting their feelings, I would just challenge you that leading them on is just as harmful. Mm. And the key Fellas, thing- hold on. Fellas, you hear that? <laughs> leading them on is harmful. Anyways, continue. <laughs> Just as I was saying earlier, <laughs> the key things are honor and respect. So if you told a boy or girl you liked them and they were like, uh-uh, not feeling it, and they went and told the whole school about it, I bet your feelings would be hurt as well. So if you don't like someone, honor them, respectfully tell them. Um, don't go tell your friends, oh, this crazy girl in math class told me that she thought I was cute. Um, yeah. And my verse is Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Awesome. Come on. All right. I found the question I was looking for. So, Blake, I want to ask you this. No, I don't. This this is for a girl. Katie, I want to ask you this. It says, I really like this guy, but I don't know about him. So what should I do? You don't know about him? I don't know about him. That's what it says. But I don't know about him. I think if you don't know about him, you get to know him first in a group setting. Okay, don't, you like him, don't get to know him alone, okay? Start maybe, like, inviting him to hang out with your friends or inviting him here, okay? So get to know him there, and then you can see the character he has. If it's a character that you can see qualities that God has, then I would say, like, maybe keep getting to know him. If he doesn't, maybe, like, a friend you can have. But if it's someone who doesn't have those qualities, I would not pursue a relationship. But I would, for no matter who it is, get to know them first in a group setting. That's to keep you safe. Yeah. And really when it comes to as we examine future boyfriend, girlfriend, spouses, the reality is we should be able to examine their life without speaking to them and know if they love Jesus or not. It should be really easy, really evident if someone loves Jesus um, from the fruit. So the Bible calls that fruit of their life. So even if you don't know this person can't, that well, can you examine their life? Can you examine their friends? Do you follow them on Instagram? Is everything but their words reflecting Jesus or not? So that's a really great litmus test of should I even approach this guy? Or does he have like the worst friends in the world? Like his Snapchat is filthy. No, don't, don't approach him. Cool. Uh, a question, we'll get, we'll get a little bit crazy. A little bit crazy. Riley, this is for you. Question is, is it wrong for people to live together or sleep together before marriage and why? Okay, so the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear that question is the word boundaries. Um, But I want to ask you guys, so how many of y'all have seen the show Friends? Raise your hand. Keep your hands up. (laughs) How many of you have seen How I Met Your Mother? Hands up still. Not as many. Okay, what about um, even just Cheaper by the Dozen? That's a classic movie. Okay, so in all of those shows and movies, I think it kind of has taken this idea of like living with someone before marriage and just made it casual. Like it's something that's okay and it's something that our society has just 
I mean, made it casual, really. And so what is interesting, though, is that being Christian calls us to live counterculturally. And so um, in the Bible, it says that we shouldn't live together before marriage because it's practicing, like, sexual morality. And so that's found in Hebrews. And so basically um, what I think is that um, you shouldn't, live with someone or have sex before marriage because one, the Bible says so, and two, because marriage makes that part of it so special and like it's from God and so that is why it should be saved for marriage um, because that makes it just something important and valuable in our lives and a part of our faith as well. That's good. Mitchell, for, for, I'm thinking in a guy's perspective, like, oh, I've committed to her, like I love her, why is it such a big deal if we live together? What would you say to that guy? I would say you can make that excuse for anything, you know. You can make, oh, I'm committed to just that thing, and then a month later be like, oh, I'm just committed to that thing. Oh, now I'm just committed to that thing. Because the more you say that, the more it loses its meaning. The more you say something of like, oh, that's important to me, oh, I love that, uh, and then you change your mind, the more that phrase loses its meaning. Um, because, like, it, yeah, so it's, when you do sleep with someone, when you do move in with someone, it loses that gift. It loses that that special quality to it. And um, uh, it kind of misses the gift that God has planned for us. God made man and woman for each other to pursue God. And when we, when we take out one of those special qualities, it loses, you know, its beauty to it. So, yeah. And I think another thing, especially for ladies, because guys can be really good at manipulating relationships. None of y'all have ever experienced that, right? Um, but I think, you know, guys are, and I'm speaking to guys because I am a guy and I understand the perspective. It's like, baby, I love you. Like, you're forever, you and me forever. It's like, oh, really? Where that, where's that ring at? Like, let's put your money where your mouth is. So uh, commitment really is shallow until there's like, hardware you know what i'm saying like don't let any guy like i love you baby you're mine forever okay prove it where is it at so don't allow those shallow words of i love you you're in my world nah nah wait you got a job first and then we can talk you know what i'm saying okay here's a question it's a good one katie i'll jump this one back to you how far is too far um and how far can i go and still remain pure yeah, so I think that's a really common question that a lot of us have had before, and I think it's a very dangerous question to phrase it that way because it's like dancing with a line of sin because um, you're like, hey, how far can I go before like God will get upset with me? Or how far before it becomes a sin? And so you're trying to do as much as you can with like still being pure. And so... And like Mitchell said, like God created like marriage for a man and a woman. And so there are things that are created for marriage, such as sex and other things like that. And it's for marriage in that context only. And so like if you can do it in the daylight around your grandma, like you're good. Okay. But like if it's something you have, you feel like you have to hide, like you're feeling shame. Like obviously that's God telling you like what you're doing isn't right. And because there are things like kissing that can even like become to like something that starts like arousal. I know that's a gross word, but like <laughs> affection is really good. Like affection, like a kiss, a hug, affection is pure. But arousal, that's God created and it's good, but it was intended for marriage because that becomes um, a time whenever a husband and a wife can be unified together. And so 
I think that you don't need to be like dancing around with how far is too far, okay? So in like allow God into that relationship. So if you're dating someone and you're like struggling with, okay, like what should we be doing? Like how far is too far? Then in that moment, like start praying about it, okay? Because whenever you bring God into that situation, you're not gonna be focused on like the lust that you're feeling. You're gonna be focused on God and that's where your heart should be. And so um, it takes me to Matthew 5:28. And so this says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with his and her heart. So you cannot have sex and be impure. I think a lot of people misconfuse virginity with purity and you can still be impure because it starts in your heart, okay? So just looking at someone with lust, that can be too far, that can be impure. Okay, so you need to, instead of asking how far can I go, like ask how can I put God into this relationship? Come on, that's good. Can I say something into that? Yeah, go for it. All right, so I think a lot of that too with boundaries is as humans, ever since we were little kids, we always test the water. We always test the waters. We always push the boundaries, push it and push it, and see how far we can go into far until far or until we go too far. And also, I think something that we should realize, kind of as Christians, is uh, kind of avoid, like, kind of have boundaries, but then also the ultimate goal should be as in a relationship is how far how far can we go to God? And I think a lot of time we're always trying to see how far can we kind of you know go away from God, but yet still like remain in Him. Instead, as a couple, you should be driving full force into how close can we get to Him? And I think that's the most beneficial. Thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, another question we got. Um, <laughs> I like the phrasing of this. Uh, Chris, we'll ask you this one. Can I send sexy pictures of myself? They'll even disappear if I use Snapchat. Is that okay? (laughs) Well, if you don't already know, no, you cannot do that. No, but seriously, there's one thing that you do need to make sure you understand about Snapchat or any other type of social media. Even if you post it and it disappears, you do realize it's still somewhere, right? There is a server that they keep all of that stuff on. You just got super nerdy on us. Okay. There's a server out there in the cloud. Oh, gosh. But this is serious. No, this is not serious. So, no, but I I really want to make sure you understand this. Even if you say something that was very negative and you delete it, it's still there. That's why you get all these uh, news stories of people that like 15 years ago they said something and it comes out again, that's because somebody found it. So anything that you post, you send a picture to someone, you also know in Snapchat, you can take screenshots of the screen, right? Like that happens all of the time. So even if it deletes something like that, it's still there. So that's just step one, right? So don't even, don't do it for any other reason than that. But the other thing is, and it goes back to what I was saying before, why are you sending a picture to begin with? Why is that person asking you to send them a picture? If somebody's asking you to do that, you shouldn't be talking to them anymore. I'm just being straight up honest. You should not be talking to them anymore. Flip side, if you want to send pictures, ask yourself the question of why is it that you're wanting to do that? What are you looking to gain from sending that that image of yourself? I'm going to pull up a verse real quick. Let's see. Hold on. 
Paul in Galatians says it like this, for am, I, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, would I not be a servant of Christ? So yet again, who are you looking to serve in that moment? What is it that you're looking to gain in that moment? Are you looking to glorify God with the picture that you're trying to send? I highly, highly doubt it. So for just no other reason or we'll say practical reason, don't send a picture because it's just a really bad idea and it might come to haunt you later, unfortunately. But for a spiritual perspective, there is no God-glorifying thing in that moment from both parties, the person that's sending it or the person that's receiving it. We good? Okay. Kyra, I'll ask kind of a follow-up question, especially for women who may feel pressured into this type of things or even the shame that comes with Hey, I've sent a photo, I've sent this type of message that's really intimate, and I feel violated or I feel really shameful. Maybe friends found out or it got spread around. How can we, how can women recover from those type of moments where they have participated in this type of messaging but feel exposed and now are kind of covered in shame? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, it's always going back to Jesus. Um, like First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety onto him. It's like, it's already done. What else can you do? Face your eyes onto Jesus. Like, like a sunflower, face the sun and let him feed you, you know. Um, and just let him just transform you, make him, you know, make you new. And the Bible says there's no shame in Christ. So uh, once you just get loved and fed by God and fed by God, I'm pretty sure that won't really matter anymore. It's like... Oh, I saw that picture. Like, okay, I'm forgiven by the Lord, so it's fine. You know, it's like he takes away that, like, shame and, like, bring more love into it. And also surround yourself with people that, like, speak truth and love over you. It's like even somebody just, like, dude, I saw that. Like, you can turn to your friend and be like, this is what happened. Your friend's going to, like, speak truth into you. And, um, yeah. Come on, that was good. Awesome. <laughs> Another question. I'll ask uh, McKenna Harrell. How do I overcome rejection? Okay, so the verse that always comes to me about rejection is that the Lord heals the brokenhearted. Um, and so I feel like kind of what Kyra said, it does go back to Jesus. And so when rejection hits, a lot of times it's your mind is being flooded with lies from the enemy. Um, and so I feel like the first thing in fighting rejection is just fighting the lies of the enemy. And so... In my experience, there are two big ways to fight the lies of the enemy, um, and one is surrounding yourself by good, godly people. So friends, family, a mentor, a life group, whatever it is, people who are going to speak life into you, and when those lies begin to come and you begin to believe, like, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, whatever it is, people that are going to come back and say, like, no, that's a lie, and you're not going to believe it. Um, and I think with that, too, not just having somebody else speaking it over you, but you speaking it over yourself. Um, and that's always been a big thing for me, is when we speak it out, you're not giving the enemy power anymore. Um, and so, like, declaring truth over your own life, like, declaring, like, when you're walking through something, like, God is good, and he is good to me, um, and declaring truth in scripture out loud, because when you do that, it's not giving the enemy any power anymore. And eventually, the more that you say it over yourself and people say it over you, you're going to begin to believe it and it's going to start to take root. And so for me, really 
pouring truth in what Jesus says about you instead of what the friend or the boy or the world or whatever says. So That's awesome. Okay, question I just got, and I'll ask Riley. I'll ask you this one. It says, why can't I ever be happy? Everything, everyone says everything will be okay, but it won't, and I just don't understand. Now, I don't know if you're talking about relationships or family life or what's going on in your life, but the question is, what, why, uh, what is it? why can't I ever be happy? when everyone says everything will be okay, but I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first question is to ask, um, where are you looking for your happiness? Um, because if it's of worldly things, um, those are always going to fail you. And if it's of people, that's always going to fail you. But um, when you turn to Jesus is when um, that joy will always like just come naturally. And it's something, um, I think it's Psalm 4, 5, and it says, you have filled my heart with greater joy. And so as you turn from these worldly pleasures and worldly desires of, oh, I'm going to find happiness in my boyfriend or my school or my clothes or whatever it is. Um, As soon as you turn that to, you know, I'm going to pursue Jesus and the happiness and joy that he can fill my heart with, um, it's overwhelming. And then there is no um, question about it that, um, you know, these bad days, yeah, they happen. But um, at the end of the day, like God brings new mercies and his joy is everlasting. Yeah, yeah. So I want to point out a very key difference in what Riley said. We went from asking about happiness to talking about joy. And those are two completely different things. Happiness is situational. Happiness comes with, you know, getting that award or winning the prize or getting the A or whatever. But joy is from Jesus and only from Jesus. And so when you, like Riley said, are casting your eyes on Jesus, you find things to be grateful for. You find the littlest things. You know, those of us... I went to church on Sunday, and, and Pastor David gave us the, the challenge for 21 days, for three weeks, find something, at least one thing to be grateful for every single day. And y'all, it's a game changer. When you start looking for things to be grateful for instead of looking for things to complain about, it changes everything. And that's when you realize that that joy is there. You may not feel it all the time, but it's there. And when you actively seek it and you find the things that Jesus has blessed you with every single day, the joy comes easier and easier every single time. Awesome. Okay, so a, a tough question here is, and I'll ask you, Courtney. It says, my boyfriend wants to have sex, but I don't. But I also don't want to break up with him. What should I do? I would be curious to know um, if that's just something you're assuming. Like, if I don't do this, he's going to break up with me. Or if he straight up told you, if you don't do this, we're going to break up. And if he did, I'm sorry, but he's a jerk. Okay, so if those are the terms of the relationship, he doesn't respect you, he doesn't love you, as Brayden went over the difference between love and lust a couple weeks ago, like, that's a lustful situation right there, and he doesn't respect or obey God, so why would you want to continue dating someone that's like that? You want to date someone that you can see yourself marrying one day, and you want them to embody Christ-like qualities, and you want to pursue the Lord together, so if he wants to actively lead you into sin... Why would you want to stay in that relationship? Blake, I'll ask this kind of in a guy's perspective. What would you say to guys who are pressuring women to put themselves in that position? I think the best way to kind of think about this is thinking about the future. And I know some of you, you know, future's all the way out there. But who is the person that you kind of want to marry? Are you, want, are you willing to be honoring to that woman to the point that, like, even if things don't work out between you, that you can be like, you know, I'm giving you, she's going off to this other guy, maybe, in the future, and can I say that in that relationship, I was honoring to her, and that, 
she has nothing bad to say about me, just things didn't work out. I think if you're trying to force something, well, also, you shouldn't force things upon anyone. I feel like if you're trying, if you desire sex that much, then you need to look at your own heart. And I feel like if you feel like that's the only way you can get is from your girlfriend and try to manipulate her, then there's something that you have to realize inside of yourself. And I feel like that's something that needs to be addressed, and you need to kind of take yourself out of the picture of that relationship and re and reevaluate what is important to you. Because in a relationship, it should be about honoring each other, which we kind of talked about earlier about being praying and not, you know, pray about honoring each other. And I think it's something in that in that is honoring their purity and being able to be like one day and be like, yeah, things didn't work out between us, but you know that I, you know, I treated this person well. And yeah. Yeah, go for it. I just want to add something um, <laughs> because, sorry, passionate about this because. Someone, if you're in this type of relationship where um, a boy or a girl is pressuring you to have sex, and they may tell you, like, we're going to get married one day, so it's okay, because one day we will be married. Like, don't believe that. Even if you are going to be married one day, there's a reason God created sex for marriage. And there's a good chance, especially in high school, that you're not going to marry this person that is promising you this. And so... It's just you have to think about that. And one day you will meet the person you're supposed to marry. And it's going to be really hard to have to tell them what they, you didn't wait. Okay. And that even though like you didn't maybe not know who they were, that you're going to have to explain that to them. And that's going to be really painful for them to hear that. And it's going to be really painful for you to tell someone that because it really does hurt. And so I just encourage you, like, think about your future spouse. Okay, and respect their wishes because one day you're going to have to tell them that you weren't faithful, that you weren't, that you didn't wait, you didn't remain pure. So consider that. Okay. For guys who are dating and you do have a girlfriend, you need to know that your words hold a lot of weight because when when you recognize that, you need to value that person you are dating because if you are dating for marriage, as I'm sure all of us are, <laughs> I'm married. you know, advocating. I'm good dating for marriage, you need to treat the person you are dating with the utmost respect. Because if you are not, you are not God-honoring, you are not God-honoring excellence, That that it, that's just a standard we need to hold ourselves to. Because when we don't hold ourselves to that standard, you won't ever hold that yourself to that standard in a marriage. And that can strongly affect the rest of your marriage and the rest of your family life. So... Awesome. Here's a question. I don't know how I'm going to ask this yet. To okay, that's great. That'll work too. It says I'm having trouble waiting for the right person slash my soulmate to come along. I thought I found him, but I feel like he's given up on me. Could be him, but IDK. What's the best way to have patience for that sort of thing? It's honestly a daily struggle of mine. Kyra. Okay, so I'm going to go to um, the Bible. I think it's somewhere in First Corinthians something. Um, Peter talked about, like, it's good to be, for singles and widows, it's good for them to be single. And he's not just talking about, like, don't get married, but he's talking about, like, being single is a good place to look for the Lord, to get closer to him. Um, the Bible talks about how Jesus is, like, the bread of life. Like, he's, like, the spring that never, like, runs. Like, he fulfills us. And everything so first of all like just get fed by the Lord right and I actually came up with steps for this right okay let's get into this so first how do you wait you read your Bible okay 
you want to be fed by the Lord. You, you have to, okay? Nobody wants to be hungry, you know? So be fed. Uh, then um, pray. And I'm not talking about like two-minute prayer before bed or 60-second prayer. No. I'm talking about like actually creating a prayer life. You know, like you're going from first period to second period. Lord, I'm going to this class. What's up? What are you saying? Like use me to bless someone. Like, you know, like pray more. And I know you're young, but start fasting. It's great. Fasting is the way we get closer to the Lord. In the Bible, Jesus fasted. And um, if you want to live a life like Christ, we should probably start doing what he was doing. So, so basically, all of this is basically just like, and also learn to be alone. And I'm not talking about loneliness. I'm talking about like find the joy, like find joy in being in the presence of the Lord. Like, Sometimes you're just there like, oh my gosh, I'm so lonely. Like sometimes when you feel that way, just open your Bible or just turn some worship music. Like get used to like being in his presence. It's really good. So all of this, the best way to wait for someone is look for the Lord. Like I said earlier, be like a sunflower. Sunflower, they always face the sun because the sun is like their source of life. So face Jesus and be fed by him. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay, we don't have a ton of time, so I, I do want to just hit maybe one more question because we had a, several people ask about this particular idea, and I'll ask one of the questions, but they're kind of all related. And it says, I feel like my friends are bad influences on me, and I want to ask the McKinnas this. I'll ask you guys. Uh, I feel like my friends are bad influences on me. Is it better to be in community with friends who might not be good for you or to have no friends at all? And then really there were other questions of like, how do I balance between people who are terrible but I'm supposed to like not be terrible, but I'm supposed to reach them. So how do I find the, find the boundary between having community, but also reaching people who aren't good for me? Okay, so I think for this one, which I guess to answer the first part of the question, one of the verses that came to my mind was, if your arm causes you to sin, cut it off, which seems a little bit extreme in the situation. But if you are surrounded by people and friends that are causing you to sin and not do the right thing, that's not who you need to be surrounded by, and they're not influencing you in what you're supposed to be doing and what is God-honoring. And so in some cases, that might mean letting some friends go in a nice, honoring way. That doesn't mean you can't love them. There's a difference, I think, in being able to love somebody and letting them impact you, um, which is where I think the second part of that question kind of comes in with, like, the boundaries is you kind of have circles for your friends. And there's only so many people that are gonna know the true core deep down personal stuff about me. Only probably one or two, because that's the only people I would trust with that. And then I'll have a few more that I can go hang out with and do fun things with, but they're not gonna know every single thing about me. And then you have your outside group of people that I can go love, but they're not gonna have an impact on my life and my decisions. And I can show them Jesus and I can show them another way but that doesn't mean that they get to dictate your life and your decisions. And so I think it really is you setting boundaries and making sure that you have your people that you can confide in and like they're gonna speak life into you, but then also having that boundary in the people of letting you be the influencer, but not them influencing you, if that makes sense. Yeah, just um, bad influencers in general. Um, I think the things that they say, you have to learn not to um, put weight to it or take it into value. Um, I, 
was just saying this, we hear thousands of things every day by our teachers, by our friends, by social media, by the news, um, just by so many things. And you have to learn up what to pick up that is righteous. Um, and the verse that came to mind was, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Um, and I said this earlier, we were made in the image of Christ, so we know exactly what is good and what's righteous. And so you have to learn when these influences are all around us, what's right and what's wrong. This is awkward. Uh, Romans 12, 2 three. For guys, is there like a, maybe a perspective that you guys have, especially for guys, it's really tough. There's a ton of peer pressure to act cool, look cool, be cool. What would you say for those uh, guys kind of struggling to want to fit in, but also kind of feeling the pressure to be like Jesus as well? How do you navigate that world? I would say... Um if someone is asking you to do something morally or ethically questionable, is that worth it? You know, is it worth it? Um, because there's this relationship we have with God that we, we will so easily turn away from because we think this other thing is so worth it. Um, and so I, I found myself getting into the habit of some, in a situation like that, of like, is that worth it? Is that worth sacrificing how much of this relationship I built with God is that worth sacrificing? Um, and, you know, it's hard, but it has helped so much because it's one of those things where if you surround yourself by these people, yeah, you can be a light, but, you know, it, it's easy to fall. It makes it so much easier to fall. Um, so I, that's that's my two cents. Yeah, and... I think as so kind of how I look at my kind of my own personal life is I feel like I have a lot of friends and people a lot of people that I know but there's only a very small amount that I actually would say that like are really like this tight knit people like my family that I would say are with me spiritually and are able to guide me and make sure that I'm doing the right things and I feel that's really important and I feel like a lot of us especially here like a lot of us come here every week and we know and a lot of us know the scriptures we know what we're supposed to do we know we have that wisdom inside of us. But yet, we go to different schools, we uh, don't really see each other outside of this place, and we like neglect this, this opportunity to grow together with each other. And this is essentially one of the biggest places that you have that opportunity is here at church, here on Wednesday nights, is in our small groups to really bond with each other and realize, hey, we have each other, we can count on each other, we have our leaders that are always there willing uh, to be there for you and help guide you. And I think that's something to kind of always keep in mind. Um, as we should be uh, in making the right decisions. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. So we got asked a ton of, I mean, you guys were asking a, a ton of questions. Someone asked, is this really live? Yes, this is, we're really answering this live. <laughs> we're not re pre-recorded right now. These are, we're live on stage. Um, but we don't have much time. We don't have actually any more time to answer any of these questions. The thing that I love about BSM North, the thing that I love about what we do at Summit is there is a reason that we do worship, we do teachings, and then we go into life groups for you to be able to find a space to be vulnerable. Some of these questions that we weren't able to answer tonight are really, really, really good and important and deep questions. We have already given you a space and a face to ask those questions to. Those are your life group leaders. They're these people on stage who week in, week out, come in, 
dedicate a ton of time to be able to minister to you, to answer these type of questions. If they don't have the answers, they're willing to navigate these questions with you. And so keep coming. These are amazing questions. Hopefully we'll get to do it again. But don't let, don't be a nameless face behind a text message. These are real, some of these questions need to be uh, turned into conversations. And so if you have a question, find your life group leader. Say, hey, I have a question. Why this? What about this? This happened, so what do I do? These guys are an amazing resource. I'm sad we only had half an hour to talk to them, but don't let this be the end of the conversation. Let's continue this conversation. Be bold and vulnerable, but not behind a screen. Actually find a life group leader. Find one of these amazing people and say, hey, I've got questions. What do you think about this? Cool? Can I pray for us real quick and then we will be done?